Hello and welcome to episode one of the Tiltify podcast, The Joy of Fundraising. Now, this is a episodic podcast that will be released on YouTube and a billion other platforms. So wherever you are listening from, hello. <laughs> uh, we are going to be co covering a bunch of different topics from live stream fundraising to pretty much anything else in the fundraising space. And today we are joined by the CEO and co-founder of Tiltify, Mr. Michael Wasserman. Hello. So good to be here. Well, it's great to have you on for episode one. Now, of course, this is the inaugural episode, so we are also being joined by your host, uh, Daniel I. Casperbong. I work as the community manager for Tiltify, and for future episodes, we will be joined by our social media coordinator, Maggie Draskia. Let's get to episode one. Uh, we're talking about all things Tiltify. So again, we do have the CEO and co-founder, Mr. Michael Wasserman, with us. And uh, let's just start things off really simply. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your upbringing in the charity space. So I had a very sort of strange journey to the charity world, like probably a lot of people had. Um, I was actually a musician. Oh, really? Um, uh, yeah, I was a guitarist. I went to Berkeley College of Music, which, of course, prepares you to uh, create a tech company for charity. Um, <laughs> and... and uh, Basically, that's how I ended up moving to Los Angeles um, and worked at record labels and, and eventually did music for movies and very weirdly started producing and writing movies, which is, is strangely what sort of led to this. So when I was doing post-production on the last film that I had produced, um, I had some downtime. And uh, I was asked to help out with getting celebrities to participate and some of the fundraising ideas for um, Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Ended up getting involved, helping them get some celebrities to come to not only the fundraiser that was at night for the adults, but the fundraiser, which was the Christmas party for the kids themselves at the hospital, which I got to go to, we did all sorts of cool things with the kids, like painting shoes and giving out presents and face painting. And, and there was the dancing and musical performances. And it was, um, so that actual event was kind of life-changing for me. Um, one, as anybody who's been to a children's hospital, um, you you definitely get kind of emotional uh, hanging out with the kids and obviously seeing them in the hospital, but seeing, you know, smiles on their faces for the times where you can uh, help with that by by bringing them some some joy and happiness. And then from there, uh, I started to get outreach from additional people who asked if I could help do the same thing. People were very interested in the philanthropic stuff and I was really interested in the philanthropic stuff and that sort of, I kept being asked about it. So I decided to kind of shift gears and um, started getting more involved in it and eventually um, became a consultant and started working on um, celebrity interactions for charities started running a lot of the, you know, celebrity poker tournaments, galas, you know, um, you know, different charity events, um, working with a lot of big charities around the country and then getting into digital strategy and, um, online strategies also with celebrities. So it was kind of a, a long road to getting into philanthropy um, in a strange way, but I just felt like it felt right. It felt like what I should be doing. And as I got more into it, um, I realized that every single client that I had would ask me, how do I get younger donors or younger fundraisers involved? Just seemed to be a common theme of something that I was asked constantly. So started talking to people and asking them why, um, you know, I was a relatively young person <laughs> at the same time. Um, but, you know, I started realizing that a lot of the problem was the technology um, and that it wasn't really conducive to how people wanted to sort of be creative and fundraise. Uh, and 
um, it kind of led me to here. In 2012, I think it was, I met the guys from Twitch, um, which was this newfangled platform. <laughs> still um, is to many and, people. Yeah, and still is to lots. And then I, I literally went into their offices and sat with them. And I, I think at the time I said, what if I built like a Kickstarter but it was for live streams because I looked at them just like telephones. Um, and it gave people the ability to turn them into charity fundraisers. And I think at the time they were like, oh, that's a cool idea. Um, and really from there, kind of set out to uh, team up with some really cool people and, and, and make it happen. Wow. Well, that's, that's such a... It's always a great story to hear from folks that are in the charity space because they always start with some type of event or some type of incident uh, that kind of happens in their life. And for you, it was working with uh, with children's hospitals and and slowly yeah, just sure. realizing that that is your passion. Um, so I know for myself, I was in the teaching space and I was just working with kids and just wanting to better the futures of those in my city because my upbringing was so difficult. But uh, when I had a tragic loss as a child, that's what really inspired me to work with charities myself. Uh, so... Uh, that's kind of what pushed myself in the direction of charity fundraising uh, my entire life. And then I found myself onto Twitch back in 2012. I heard about this thing called Tiltify that was then created uh, the end of 2013, I believe, December 2013. We started doing some beta tests in 2014. And, and you may have seen some of those. And then we really kind of released it to the public in mid-2015. Right. And that was that was really kind of your debut into the space because you met with Twitch back in 2012. You talked about yeah. them about developing this Kickstarter S type of platform, uh, especially for live streamers to kind of use to fundraise for charity. And then your debut, I guess, into the scene would be at TwitchCon, their very first um, their very first yeah. convention, uh, 2015 in San Francisco. This this thing called Tiltify appeared there. And I remember as a content creator myself, since that was my start in this space, uh, we looked at all the exhibitors and we saw, oh, what's this Tiltify thing? Um, so like, that's where the concept came from. But then where did you go from there? We, we continued to explore not just sort of live streaming from the standpoint of, oh, here's a cool thing that we can fundraise with. It was, the thought process was more about what is the gap in the fundraising space that we saw pretty much encompassing most people under 40 um, and especially sure. people under 30. As we dug in and we spoke to, at the time, lots of content creators and talked to people about why they did or didn't engage. And we found that all the platforms seemed to have a very similar theme. So we realized that literally if you lined up most fundraising platforms as they existed, they were a donate button, some text and a picture. And that was sort of the theme from a technology standpoint, that's what they all did. But what we realized is that people were using platforms at the time like Twitch as these growing communities where people gathered and interacted and you couldn't really fundraise there, um, you know, nor could you really fundraise you know, on YouTube, for example, or, you know, really on these social platforms. We really felt that was, that was sort of a hole in the market. So what we did is we thought of how do we build Tiltify in a way that addresses this sort of seeming need for a fundraising solution that ultimately catered to, to younger fundraisers and what they wanted to do. As we were watching people interact on Twitch in the early days, and thinking about the telethons that I used to watch as a kid, it was a big mixture of, oh, this is what was really cool. And this is what I wished would happen when I watched like the Jerry Lewis telethon when I was like eight years old and wanted to call in and got permission from my mom. And then maybe wait in an hour, if I was lucky, if my name would scroll by the bottom. Right. Um, the fact that now we have technology where you could really interact um, was what we wanted to do. So we started coming up with features and um, we started trying to innovate things we saw. Like, for example, it was very popular on the donation page to have suggested donation amounts. Well, we're like, well, what if the fundraisers could edit those amounts and 
pair them with some additional value prop proposition, which we then called rewards. And basically giving people the opportunity to give benefits, thank you cards, things that they would do, digital cards, really anything you wanted to think of. That the whole idea was that it was completely open. Then we realized that that the way that people would fundraise was usually a long period of time. I think the average fundraiser was like nine weeks statistically at that time. And we wanted to find a way of pushing these fundraisers forward because people would raise some money, people get excited when a fundraiser would start. And then they'd say, hey, go to my page and fundraise, but then you kind of lose that interest. So we came up with the concept of milestones to say, well, maybe your goal is $1,000, but what if you were able to tell your audience that if you got to 250, you'd eat a hot pepper, or if you got to 500, you'd do something else. And then if you finally got to your goal on a thousand, you'd shave your head. And what if that was not, and these are things that some people did generally, like they'd post that on a Facebook or a Twitter, but it wasn't part of the fundraising platform, right? It was something that you'd have to kind of be in the know that someone suggested somewhere on their social platforms that they were going to do something like that. So we want to actually build those types of things into the platform to get people more engaged and to have people be more into the entertainment where they were sort of glued to, you know, people were watching Twitch for over an hour and that was because of this chat and interaction. So we wanted to bring that into fundraising where you don't want to go away because if they get to this next goal, they're going to do something and you want to be part of that entertainment. So we really wanted to change the interaction between the fundraiser and the donor to be a more exciting interaction, which at the time we, we assumed would be a gateway to being able to raise more money, um, uh, which, which now we know it has. Yeah, no, it definitely has. I mean, if you look at live streaming in general, it's all about that instant gratification, that engagement, that entertainment factor. I mean, from eating a hot pepper and seeing someone's reaction, which is usually going to be very hilarious, but it's just the actual, the actual entertainment that they're providing, right? Because when we go to the uh, the telethons back in the day where you would sit on the phone and wait an hour until you got to talk to a celebrity for a whopping 60 seconds, maybe 90 seconds. In this situation, you make the donation and the donation seconds later is seen by that broadcaster, by that essentially a celebrity in front of you. And they're thanking you for the donation. They're doing certain things in response to your donation. I think that's the biggest thing that uh, a lot of folks that are kind of separated from the live streaming space don't realize is that being able to donate $20 and five or 10 seconds later, they see it, they hear it. There's the alerts on screen and everyone's going crazy. Oh my goodness, we hit this new goal or that's $20 more than we thought we'd ever fundraise. Like all of those different factors really play into it. Yeah. And, and I also, I used to think about it a lot when I used to try and explain it early on to people at charities, my experience was also in a lot of events. So you had that interaction, like when you were doing a live auction, which was typically at an event where you'd raise a lot of money and there was this energy and action of people raising their hand and donating and wanting to be involved and getting that instant gratification. But it was sort of, you know, siloed away in these sort of private high-end event rooms. And, you know, part of the idea in the comparison was if someone's doing a live stream, especially, why can't we have that excitement right here now where essentially you're doing the same thing? You're raising your hand, you're putting in a donation, you're getting called out right away. Uh, and, and everyone else, the crowd, the rest of chat, the rest of the viewers all know about it, right? So you, you don't have that sort of, you know, experience of going into like we equate sort of those static pages I referred to before as like empty rooms where you're going into an empty room and dropping off a check at a mailbox uh, versus being part of this whole group and all donating together and all getting that sort of praise and energy and and reaching a goal all as a group which you know gives a much bigger impact to everybody involved. Right and the other thing that we don't uh, kind of acknowledge too much uh, because the average donation is actually pretty high, even for live streaming, and especially for this Gen Z millennial era, uh, especially on Twitch, YouTube, etc. But 
any amount counts and any account any donation matters and with tiltify you can donate as low as a dollar to these campaigns and that dollar is going to stretch so far for these organizations and we get to also thank them instantly so whether it's a dollar whether it's ten dollars whether it's ten million dollars which would be fantastic let's be honest but uh, no matter how much you're donating to these causes uh, you still get recognized for your donation your contribution and yes, we, we celebrate the $500 that comes in from a single donation, but we can equally celebrate for the $5 that comes in. Yeah, which by the way, was, was another thing that we noticed that a lot of sites had a minimum of $10. Right. So there were a lot of platforms at the time, a lot of them have adapted and changed now. But uh, at the time, a lot of platforms, you couldn't don donate a dollar, like they literally wouldn't accept it. We, you know, we just found that sort of took away from that idea that every dollar counts. For sure, for sure. Well, let's quickly talk about that then, because there are other fundraising platforms out there, but I wanted to know kind of what makes Tiltify special versus these other platforms? Like, what do we offer? Because you already talked about the engagement features uh, that we allow and kind of having that interaction, that engagement with these essentially celebrities. But what else makes us special over these other platforms that make people go, hey, I want to fundraise, but only if you're available on Tiltify? There's a lot of great platforms for a lot of different reasons. Um, one of the big differentiators about Tiltify is that overall, we viewed a lot of platforms having not been updated. It was like a lot of them are still using like a Nokia flip phone or maybe at best an iPhone 3, you right. know, and we just wanted to kind of upgrade the technology. So we feel like this engaged fundraising is something that really separates us. So it's the idea that the fundraiser and the donor can really have a much better relationship because there are things like rewards, like polls, like targets. These are all sort of features, milestones. These are all features that we've built into our platform that allow people to participate in the entertainment, in the fundraising. And that participation is like putting another quarter in an arcade machine and getting more benefit out of it. It lets people have an additional value proposition than simply going to um, a site and donating. Yes, people donate altruistically and want to support and will you know, mail in checks and go to pages and donate, but there's nothing to say that we can't advance that by adding more to the pie and doing it together and having some fun and excitement while we do it together. And we think that's what Tiltify kind of lets you do, you know, content creators, influencers that you uh, might look up to that are thanking you in the moment and reading your comment as you donate. Those are things that really worked, uh, weren't possible, you know, in, in most fundraising, in any fundraising platform, really, uh, in the charity space that you couldn't do that. It wasn't really something that worked. And you could do it on your favorite platform. So Tiltify lets you fundraise on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook Live, um, on Mixer. Uh, you can go to where the communities are, not forcing them to have to come to your platform. Um, so that's one of the big differentiators that we have. Also, I think the other big difference is that we designed Tiltify to be a community-based platform, you usually have two kinds of platforms, right? You have like a GoFundMe where people would go on and it's made for people to just fundraise for whatever they want and including charities, right? Just right. they go on, they fundraise, they want charities don't necessarily build programs, right? Then you have the sites where charities build their run walks. Um, and those are typically siloed, right? Meaning like, you find that page and you don't typically click out and be like, oh, here's 20 other charities and their programs right beside them. Um, right. We sort of became a hybrid of those two concepts and said, well, let's have the functionality of the charities to create programs, but let's let the fundraisers be able to fundraise for multiple charities using the same profile, being able to get information and track all their fundraising across multiple charities and be able to find other things that's going on because the reality is that People fundraise typically for more than one charity in a year. So why do they have to keep creating profiles on different pages, on sometimes even on the same platform, but for different charities having to create another pro profile? And they can't get to the other one easily. 
So the idea of Tiltify was really to make it a community and that people can join Tiltify, they can make teams, those teams can even fundraise for various charities. And it was really that fundraiser first mentality, right? We're like, how do we make the fundraisers be able to access what they want and make their lives easier? So we wanted to really merge those worlds together and sort of break those barriers down. And initially, by the way, a lot of charities were kind of off put by it of like, oh, you're going to put my fundraisers and potential donors beside this other charities stuff as well. And they could find, you know, if you're raising money for, you know, this cancer charity, you'll still, you'll be able to search and find this other cancer charity as well. The reality is I think that's helped everybody, but I, I definitely understand some of the initial, you know, back in 2015, when we were sort of putting it out to people, some charities were really concerned that they'd have fundraisers stolen or their donors taken. But, you know, we feel like that really has not been the case. And that's actually been that community raises more money as a group and continues to grow. So that community factor is also what sort of differentiates us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the community stuff, it, it really re reaches out to the community-based approach that Twitch is in general, like Twitch, YouTube, etc. That content creators, we work together, we collaborate with each other, and it's just a mutual growth in that sense. So while it's a little bit different in the charity space, because that's a little bit more competitive, you want to have your fundraisers fundraising for you, of course, so that your programs can develop and your research or whatever your cause is continues to develop. But as we've seen over the years, and like you've said on Tiltify, there are hundreds and thousands of fundraisers, and they don't just fundraise for this one organization. And then we had the odd person, uh, and I say odd in the best way possible, but we see the odd person that did 12 fundraisers once a month for 12 different organizations, so a different organization every month. And these were all equally as important, if not slightly more, slightly less important to that person. And it's also just as important to their communities as well. Uh, the communities that they've kind of built up. Speaking of communities, uh, I would love to jump into kind of our big topic for this week's discussion. The importance of natural disasters, call to actions, and the importance of just being available on platforms like Tiltify. So for those that are listening that have not heard about this, Australia is no stranger to bushfires. This is something that they've seen due to their climate and landscape for decades, for even centuries, actually. And 2019's Australian bushfire season, ever since June of 2019, it has been some of the worst bushfires and wildfires that they've seen in decades. Um, just in 2019 alone, ever since June of 2019, they have seen over 46 million acres of land being burnt down, which equates to about 6,000 buildings being destroyed and an estimated 1 billion, not million, billion animals being killed just in the last six, seven months alone. So, it's absolutely devastating, but something that's been incredible to see is kind of the live streaming community coming together to raise money for these various organizations. Uh, in fact, there was an article that was released about two weeks ago that mentions that over $2 million have actually been raised via live streams. And on Tiltify in particular, we've had over a thousand fundraising campaigns be created in order to try and benefit these various causes. Yeah, I mean, what is going on still in Australia is just horrendous and and terrifying and um, and sad and and you know I feel for everybody that's involved. A lot of my friends are Australian as well, and you know, and, and a lot of our community. You know, it started you know months ago, and we we started seeing some fundraising, um, but. As the new year came, it really amplified and people even on LinkedIn would reach out to me about helping, you know, doing something. Um, and then we started to see a lot of requests on social media for charities to be added to Tiltify. Some people know, some people don't. So any charity can be on Tiltify and can join Tiltify for free but they have to actually join. So we don't necessarily choose them. As long as you're a legal charity, you can join and you just, you basically just have to sign up, get an account and then link your, um, your, your payment. Tiltify only works with 
charities directly. So they're literally linking their own bank accounts and payment information so that as you make a donation, it goes directly to the charity. So charities actually have to join. So we, both through people pushing on social and our team reaching out and calling, we had to reach out to charities in Australia that we didn't have. We had on the site a few like World Wildlife Foundation in Australia, and lots of people started to fundraise for them, which was amazing to see, but people were requesting all sorts of additional organizations that did different things for the fire. So we had to reach out, talk to them, sometimes explain who we were, um, and you know get them to join the platform. So you know that was something that we saw that was really interesting to see from a community standpoint because there was a lot of demand for it. Um, we would get a lot of emails that people were waiting for us to release the list of charities to start fundraising. Some people obviously were already fundraising. And there were already some great fundraisers that were starting to happen, like what uh, Loser Fruit did, which was amazing. You know, there's a lot of cool things happening, but we had a lot of people that were literally waiting for us to sort of allow them to activate by, by charities signing up. So we really worked hard day and night, especially because of the time difference to get these charities signed up. And it was really awesome to see once we finally, we, we did a, a homepage takeover and finally released sort of six organizations that were working in Australia. Um, and there are more since then, but we initially did that and just saw a flood of fundraisers get created instantly, um, which was just like, it, it, to one, to, to be able to help a disaster, but two, to be able to create uh, an opportunity for people who are passionate about raising money for the cause to be able to actually activate when they wanted to was really amazing um to see and and sort of goes back to like why we created tiltify in the first place to be that conduit because we find a lot of organizations for whatever reason aren't necessarily ready like we sort of see this now i kind of refer to it now as reactive fundraising where you see a lot of organizations that aren't ready to be fundraised for they have a donation page that people can donate to right. but there's you know an entire group of people, generation of people that are fundraising in a particular way and they need tools and they don't have those tools available. And that's, you know, literally how Tiltify exists is by community demand, right? Reaching out to charities, at least 75% of the thousand charities or so that currently use Tiltify is because someone reached out to them and asked them to join Tiltify so they could raise money for them. Um, so seeing that happen and thinking about how we can do that better to have charities able to be fundraised for using these tools is, is you know, something that I now think about since that happened. But seeing it all happen, seeing you know, millions of dollars get raised in a really short amount of time, I mean, really, when you think about it, we only released the homepage take, takeover with the, you know, all of the sort of charities that we got signed up about mid-January, right. um, maybe a hair before. And that's really when the flood came in. And, you know, so really in about two and a half to three weeks is, is when a lot of the, is when those millions were raised. Um, and it was really, it was really awesome to see the community activate and just from everywhere. I mean, all sorts from every country, multiple currencies, um, you know, different types of, of content creators uh, getting involved in all different ways. And it was just, you know, it just, it's amazing to see that something that we built can be used for something like this. And it's, it's really great to see that, you know, the community uh, is able to use it to make an impact like that. Right. And the incredible thing is that it happened so suddenly, like you said, I mean, these fundraisers popped up over the span of two and a half, three weeks. And I know there's so many broadcasters out there, especially Australians in particular, since it's their it's their home country uh, that's being affected. But they would just tweet out, oh, my goodness, this the bushfires have been insane this year. Uh, we need to do something. And less than 24 hours later, in many cases, they had a fundraiser set up. They had a page set up on Tiltify and they had these incentives and using the engagement tools that we provide. And 24 hours later, they're starting their fundraiser and they're raising 
whether it's $500 or $5,000 or $50,000, just being able to activate just instantaneously uh, for this cause is just really important to the live stream space. So that's a great point. So one of the big things with content creators that we've noticed is typically they decide they want to fundraise for a cause and they want to do it now, you know, this weekend, tomorrow, maybe next week, you know, um, but you know, when they get inspired, like anybody, when you get inspired to do something, you want to activate, you don't want to wait. Um, and we've seen this multiple times in our existence where either disasters have happened and people reach out to us about particular charities, uh, and just, you know, it's, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and people want to raise money for breast cancer and raise money for a particular charity, or it's you know uh, uh, you know Earth Day, and people want to raise money for environmental causes. We see it all the time where people just decide for whatever reason, or they have a life event that impacts them, so they want to do something, and then we'll get an outreach, um, and someone will say, "Hey, I want to raise money, but you don't have X Y Z charity. Can you add them?" And we'll sometimes do our best to try and reach out to those charities to see if they're willing to join. That's really why we we made Tiltify. So there's ways that charities use Tiltify from sort of super basic to advanced. Um, but that's why we sort of started with the basic, that any charity can join Tiltify for free because we never wanted a charity to not be able to join Tiltify because of financial reasons, like a lot of platforms sometimes have like an implementation fee or a minimum to join, we wanted everybody to be able to join so that the fundraiser could raise money for that. We didn't think it made sense to have a barrier to that where there's no solution. You can't raise money for this charity, no matter the size of the charity, whether they're tiny or huge, as long as they're a legal charity. So we'd have all these people reach out. And sometimes we'd reach out to a charity and a charity would say, oh, it's going to take six weeks to get this approved. And we'd say that to the content creator. And they'd literally sometimes say, well, I'll pick another charity. Then. Um, but it's unfortunate to hear that, right? Because they wanted to raise money for this particular charity, obviously for a reason. So, it, you know, I think it's really important for charities to think about that and think about the tools that they have available, whatever platform they use. Think about the people that want to raise money for you and do you have the tools available? for them to activate you know are you able to activate on twitch on youtube on facebook um on instagram on you know i mean facebook fundraisers huge discussion right now because you know uh some charities are you know don't love the fact that they don't get a ton of the data that they want but at the same time what facebook did in that respect that was really smart of them and really helpful for the money that's being raised, which is a ton of money, is that it's easy and you can activate on the social platform that you're on. Tiltify essentially is doing the same thing, uh, you know, on not only on Facebook, you know, for mostly people involved in Facebook Live activations, but also on, you know, Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, and, you know, other platforms that are coming up where the people in those communities can just simply activate. And, and it's important for charities to think about that, that people aren't always going to be able to come to your page and they don't always just want to donate. Sometimes they have the power to fundraise. And I think there's an important distinction to that where yes, some people can give money, but some people can give money and cause a lot of money to be raised. And the charities need to consider giving them the opportunity to do that thinking about the tools they're using and, and are their tools up to date? You know, are they still, like I said, using a, you know, using a Nokia flip phone or are they, are, are they using upgraded technology that, you know, millennials, Gen Z, anybody involved in these technologies want to use? I mean, I think like 90% of the country in the U.S. watches YouTube, right. 90%, right? From that perspective, like if I were to say, well, can somebody utilize their channel on YouTube to raise money for you? And you said, no, that would, you know, that would seem like 
you'd look at them and say, well, well why not? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, there's definitely like a generational divide there where it's like the technology needs to keep up with, uh, with the generations as they're growing up, as new technologies are being available. The amount of folks that have access to a smartphone is incredible at this point. I, I think we see children of the age of nine or 10 even have access to, to smartphones these days. So just being able to keep up with the times and understand that generations both old and new are now adapting these technologies into their platforms and into their everyday lives. We need to be cognizant of that and make sure that we are enabling them to kind of be able to use that technology for the greater good, which of course, in this case is fundraising. So I definitely, yeah, I mean, on, on that topic, I mean, I, I was having a discussion with someone yesterday and uh, we were talking about live streaming and, and I had a post on LinkedIn the other week that I kind of wrote about this, that was, you know, how do you, well, one, it was, how do you get people like Jacksepticeye or Markiplier or the, you know, Dr. Lupo, these people who do, you know, these amazing creators who do millions of dollars in fundraising, how do you get them to fundraise for you? And, you know, sort of the answer in my post was you don't, right. um, you know, they sort of come to you and you build programs that are conducive to them being able to fundraise for you. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of charities ask us and, you know, you encounter, encounter this all the time as well, you know, how do I get, so let's take the live stream stuff specifically, you know, how do I get, streamers to fundraise for me. Um, and I think one of the things that that needs to start kind of being absorbed is that content creators, streamers, influencers, however you want to think about it and classify them, is not this super niche scenario that's like over here, right? right? And the rest of the population is over here, right? It's like a large percent of the population watches or creates content on multiple major platforms, you know, like we talked about, you know, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, TikTok now, right? Instagram, people are creating content all over the place. Right. Um, so are so thinking that it's sort of a niche concept, and that this isn't a group to focus on is a little bit is a little bit mistaken. It's kind of like the example I, I, I gave the other day to some someone that seemed to resonate was, when you create a run walk, you don't sit in a room and say, okay, how can we target runners or walkers? <laughs> right. You just kind of assume everyone can run or walk. So let's put the opportunity out and see who wants to participate. Getting involved on these social platforms to fundraise via live streaming or not, sometimes just putting up a video, is now, in my opinion, becoming the same thing. It's enough of the population that does it that you don't need to ask yourself anymore do we have followers that will participate in this way? To me, it's completely improbable that you don't, you know, on your social channels and in your donor networks already. Right. Um, you just probably haven't suggested to them that you have this opportunity to fundraise in this way. Right, for sure. And let's let's quickly touch about something that you talked about there, the Jacksepticeyes, the Dr. Lupos, the, the big fundraisers. Yes, they're amazing. They are absolutely, they are one in a trillion uh, types of individuals that can raise and just activate their communities to raise a ton of money for these causes, right? And in some cases, like with Jacksepticeye in particular, it doesn't quite matter what the cause is because he's going to be passionate about it and his community is going to be equally as passionate about it. But I just wanted to quickly talk, uh, touch on like the size of influencer, the size of content creator. Like, does that really matter how big or how small they are, especially with the tools that we've kind of built on Tiltify? Does it matter that you're getting a Dr. Lupo or does it matter that you're getting, a, you know, Joe Schmo that might have been live streaming for a year? So it, I mean, obviously it matters from the point of view is Dr. Lupo can raise X and pretty much everyone else can raise Y, right? Right. But what I think where the focus is is misled is it's sort of like, I'll use a run-walk analogy because it, I, I think it resonates with a lot of people in the, in the charity industry that understand it. It's like saying, I only want to gather runners that can raise me a million dollars. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, 95 plus percent of how much your run, you know, if you go look at like a big run walk program that does like 50 million, you know, 
you know, maybe that's like one person that does like a ton of money, but they typically have like an average that's like, you know, the average person raises $500, you know, um, and that's what it's made up of, right? It's made up of a mass group participating as a community in events, uh, you know, whether they're live events or virtual events and raising money. And it's those people who raise you $200, $500, $1,000, $2,000 that are really the foundation that build these programs. And you really need to think of the streaming community in the same way that it's, it's, you know, yes, the, the major influencers can raise a lot of money, but it's the micro influencers, the nano influ influencers, the people that are really passionate about your cause that, that literally can raise you, you know, three to $5,000 with 20 to 40 viewers right unbelievable and by the way in a day not in like two months that is staggering and i you know and even if it's 200 dollars in a couple hours it's still like way more than is typically raised and that's the mass of people that in my opinion you really want to target because that then attracts people to get involved, which can get you to not only can get you to other people who want to be involved in your popular program, but it's also thinking it the other way is making an assumption, which is a poor assumption because it's, well, it's never true in any case that someone who is a micro or nano influencer, or maybe a smaller broadcaster now, isn't going to be the next Dr. Lupo, Ninja, Pokimane, Tamora. Right. Um, because I remember when Dr. Lupo first raised money and did $6,000 before he did $2.3 Right. Um, so there's always a process to get there. And if you have a mass group of people supporting you and starting to support you, you know, especially when they're young, you know, as those people grow up, obviously they can continue to do more powerful things and grow into people who can shift a lot of a lot of dollars in different ways. Um, so you'd be, you know, you'd be kind of limiting yourself by only focusing on and also it just doesn't make sense. If people want to support you, you want them to want to support you, right? Remember, Twitch, YouTube, all these things are communities. And if you feel like you're not you're not involved in the community, meaning you're just focusing on a single person, then it's going to be hard for you to build a community program. For sure. It's an accessibility thing. I mean, anyone can tune into YouTube. If you've got a internet connection and know what YouTube is, you can just go to youtube.com and tune in. Same with Twitch, same with Mixer, uh, same with all these social platforms as well. We're starting to see it on Instagram and there's rumors about TikTok trying to get involved and just being able to fundraise wherever you are or get involved wherever you are. Like it, It's almost like a snowball effect in many different ways where uh, one person starts it and now all of their viewers are now getting interested in this thing and they say to themselves, hey, I think I can do that. That's actually how I got started in fundraising where I've always been passionate about fundraising, but it wasn't until I saw a Twitch live stream uh, doing a fundraiser for cancer research that really inspired me to be like, hey, I've got a community. It's small at the time still, you know, five, 10 viewers, but I feel like we could do something here. And my first fundraiser was two months after that and we ended up raising three thousand dollars and then the next year we decided to do it again and raise ten thousand dollars and it just creates that snowball effect of like one you're affecting other people and inspiring them to do it but two you yourself are also growing this community and being able to just accomplish amazing things moving forward right which by the way are all st all the amounts of money you said are staggering amounts of money if you take any other program any endurance event any other you know diy program any you know if you ask any charity that is insanely higher than the typical average of any fundraising program almost anywhere right and that's what you said you're doing like two months after you started getting involved in a community and then you know growing that to you know three thousand which is crazy then growing that to ten thousand which is crazy you know I think that's what people forget. Like they see sometimes big numbers because that's what the press obviously writes about because right. that's what people want to read, right? Uh, you know, it's amazing that Lupo raised 2.3 million, that Jacksepticeye has raised over 3 million. You know, it's it's all these numbers are, are amazing to throw out. But, you know, you forget that like 
if a person can spend a day, a couple hours raising you $500, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, that's amazing. You should try to find as many of those people as possible. Um, and part of it too, like, is the way that it's fundraising, right? Is the, is the, the technology that's available now can allow anybody to fundraise in that way, right? It doesn't, you don't have to have some, like, there's no special skill here to raise money there's special skill to be a a, a popular content creator yeah. but there's not special skill to you know jump on a channel and fundraise even with your friends and family right uh it's something that anybody can now do and most people are familiar with the technology enough to be able to do it our last topic uh just really quickly touching on it um what are the plans for tilt by 2020 i mean I've seen this hashtag slowly popping up on social media, on LinkedIn po uh, posts that you've been doing as well as myself. Um, what is in the works? What is what can you tell us about the future of Tiltify in this year, 2020? Sure. So Tiltify has, you know, pretty much up until now been, you know, widely known in the in the live stream space, right. you know, working with content creators and 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 you know helping really innovate that space to fundraise but we've had a lot of requests especially over the past year to allow our tools to be used for people that aren't live streaming that are you know i mean people have been using it for just uploading videos but let's even take that out of the equation and say people just want to put up images or put in text but still want access to milestones or rewards you know you still those tools were great whether you're live streaming or not um you can still tell people that if they donate $20, you'll write them a thank you card. You can still, you know, create polls that people can be involved with and say, you'll upload your yearbook photo to that page if you reach $10,000. So we wanted that to be accessible for people doing any kind of event, whether it's an endurance event or any kind of DIY. So uh, I believe um, on the 11th or 10th of February, uh, we released our uh, new campaign pages, um, which are now available to everybody, which adapt to whether you're uh, putting up an image, just putting up text, doing video or live streaming. And it gives you the opportunity to have all of our tools all on the page uh, with a new donation flow that does something really cool that we had a quest for for a long time, which is you can get a reward and donate to a poll, um, which allows you to basically be part of these sort of, uh, uh, you know, community polling options without having, and if there's rewards, you don't have to say like, oh, but I want, I want the reward. Um, you can certainly, you can, you can do both. Um, so really now being available that, you know, all, you know, DIYs can come to Tiltify, endurance events can come to Tiltify, uh, pretty much anything that you can think of. So, you know, basically one, just being available. So those new pages are now out and available. Um, we're also working on some additional really cool integrations. Can't talk about just yet, um, <laughs> but will be announced shortly um, that are going to be great. Just expanding Tiltify's reach and what we're doing with a lot of platforms. Um, also, you know, for the charity end, there's a lot of new features coming to charities, which are really exciting uh, about how they can analyze fundraising, analyze fundraiser success, uh, and for fundraisers themselves coming in with tools where we can help you analyze uh, your fundraisers and success as well. Um, so really just moving into um, the wider range of fundraising that Tiltify is really made for all fundraisers for any type of program anywhere and really just opening it up to that. And that's really what 2020, uh, 2020 <laughs> uh, is about for us. It sounds better than 2020. When you say it, you kind of think it's wrong for a second. And then yeah. you're like, no, that's it. Um, so that's really what 2020 is about is like, it's now, Tiltify is now available to anybody fundraising for anything and for charities, any program can use Tiltify's features to be created and run your program utilizing our engaging features. That is fantastic news, of course. And as someone, again, you know, Tiltify affiliation aside, uh, I started fundraising on Twitch and as a content creator eight years ago, yes. But even going beyond that, when I was 16, 15, 14, I wanted to fundraise for these charities and it was so difficult to uh, figure out how to set up a campaign page or they always just have this general donation button. But I was like, well, no, I want to know how much I've been raising and how much my influence is, you know, going door to door, 
uh, is one thing, but being able to point them to a link that is my link and they can donate to that and we can see just how much the community has raised. Like that's such an important thing to me, both as a content creator and just someone that would love to, you know, fundraise in the future when I'm way past my, my, uh, my content creation days, so to speak. So I think that adaptability is going to be very important. I think it's going to be very useful for those that are outside of the scene to kind of understand a little bit more about what we're doing and that that magic secret sauce that we have here at Tiltify. It's uh, it's definitely going to be a wonderful year for all of us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. I mean, this, I mean, last year was an amazing year for us, but um, I'm I'm extra excited for this year because of the new conversations that we're able to have with charities that that have we've been having now for a while and and because of the new tools that are coming out and the new communities that can now start using the platform fantastic well uh that is pretty much it for episode one of the tiltify podcast the joy of fundraising i want to give a very special thank you to our ceo and co-founder mr michael wasserman for joining us on episode one uh we will have him back in the future yeah. um but normally uh, as the very last segment of the podcast we normally want to do a question and answer with the community, uh, whether it is fundraisers themselves or people tuning in for the first time, or maybe even charities, whatever the case may be. We want you guys to send us questions. Now, since this is the first episode, that is going to be a little bit difficult this time around. So instead of doing a QA, I want to do kind of a call to action uh, to the folks that are listening. So there are going to be hundreds of platforms that we're releasing this podcast on. But if you have any questions for myself in particular on the community side of things, we will also have our social media coordinator, Draskia, joining us starting on episode two. And Michael will be back in future episodes as well. But if you have any questions uh, or any topics that you would love us to cover on any of these future podcast episodes, feel free to either, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment down below and let us know what your questions are, what your topics might be. But the other way you can submit it is through social media, and in particular on Twitter. If you use the hashtag Tiltify2020, and make sure it's all one word so we can track it properly, uh, we'll be able to take some of those questions and answer them on our future episodes, including episode number two. But that being said, that is it for episode number one. I want to give Michael a quick chance to shout out anything that's coming up. I know that you're heading off to a charity conference at the end of February. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the charity world, anyone that will be in Austin or the peer to peer conference or in, uh, I think it's in Baltimore for AFP icon, uh, at the end of March, um, I will be at both of those. Um, so look forward to chatting with anybody who's at any of those conferences. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for joining us. And that is it for episode number one of the Tiltify podcast, The Joy of Fundraising. We thank you guys and gals very much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Bye.